0: It's May 1st. Our message today is called Fire and Glory, a roadmap to corporate revival. Are you interested in corporate revival? To be able to be here for a few days is like water on my soul. I love you guys. I love this congregation. I love that in worship, we have a prophecy in tongues from an elder. And we have an interpretation from Mr. Rosora, And it is my message. This is a good day. I have a word from the throne for this body. Since I've been gone, I see that the Rosales have multiplied all over the church. This is a year of prosperity. Look, Submission Ministries is with Pastor Wade in Nepal right now. I've just come back from Remnant Church... Where the Arising Church joined me in strengthening Pastor Hutchinson and the body there. Lots is happening in the body. Tuesday morning I leave for King's Harvest Church to share with them the kind of amazing love and power that our King manifested in here tonight so beautifully. Did you feel like we pulled up just a little short in worship? As good as it was, don't you want to do more? Yes, Yes, we're going to. That's the whole point tonight. You can mark your Bible in Exodus 19. That's where we will begin this evening. There are a few things that I'm going to get to before then, but that's where you're going to be bookmarked for most of the evening. Tonight, we're going to discuss the fire of God in all of its glorious aspects. We are not going to be discussing the fire of God as an instrument of judgment. Tonight, we are going to focus on the manifestation of His glory in fire. Tell me that's good news, saints. Good news. Additionally, instead of looking at instances where fire and the glory of God fell on a singular man, we are only going to look at the corporate manifestations tonight. Too often we sit on our salvation and we wait for the fire to fall on some anointed man when what God is looking for is for every person in the congregation to experience His glory. Do you want to experience that? I have a hope here today. I want to build on an excellent message I heard. I listened as Pastor Matthew and Justin Treister preached on building a name for God. I have to admit, it re-wet my own dry soul. I, I had tears in my eyes, I put it on cruise control, and Brother Eregina and I began praising God and thinking of ways we could go further in the concept, and that's what this is about tonight. They powerfully illustrated the radiance of God's glory. I mean, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. That is some kind of exciting. Frequently, throughout that message, Justin kept saying, it just came out of his heart, it wasn't even in his notes, that he wanted an altar filled with people that were experiencing the glory of God, that all too often we're repenting at the altar, and and man, that's beautiful, but just to experience the goodness, the love, the glory, the fire of God, and it began to stir my soul, I started saying, Lord, I want that, I want that now. As we come to examine this topic, my prayer tonight comes from Paul speaking to the Ephesians. It's in chapter three and you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it to you because it's tonight my prayer for you. It's my prayer for all of us. He says in verse 14, and I'm saying to you right now, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family, somebody say family, In heaven and on earth derives its name. Come on, that glorious name. We are called by a name and we are now a family. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Who could use some strengthening deep down? Come on, we're going to leave here tonight on fire. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. Come on, none left out. Every saint in this room. We will have power together to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled. Somebody say, I want to be filled. How much do you want to be filled? To the measure of all the fullness of God. That was Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. That is our prayer tonight. We are not going to stop short. We left you wanting during worship. We intentionally provoked you, stirred up your heart, got close to that ecstatic feeling that we get, that euphoric religious experience where the Spirit of God is touching you, and then we move straight to the Word because we want you to want more because He's going to meet us in that. Look, from this prayer, from this Scripture, something is very clear. We are a family. Now, it, 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 it's not just Sister Sledge. This is, we are a family in here. When you look to your left and you look to your right, You have to care about these people exactly like you would, in fact, more than you would your natural blood relatives. We're going to build on that tonight. We all need His power and strengthening in our inner being, and we need it as an absolute family without one person left out. We can't have somebody sitting on the outside of this circle. We're all going into the throne room tonight. It's together, only together. With all of the other saints that we can begin to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. J.J.'s got a big wingspan, but it's not enough to get all the way around it. I have to join arms with him. We have to join arms with Joe. We have to join arms with Rick. We have to join arms to get ourselves around this. It's going to take every one of us. Amen? Amen. We together. Somebody say together. Together want to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. As much as I wish I could take it all, I can't. What flows over is going to land in Charlie, and what flows over from Charlie is going to land on Timo, and what flows over from him is going to land on someone else in this room. It's together that we begin to experience that full measure. Do you want a full measure? Then we're going to have to see our brothers filled. We're going to have to be filled. It's going to have to be a corporate thing tonight. Are you ready to get into Exodus 19? Can you tell I'm excited? This is not manufactured. This is something the Lord is doing and I needed it so badly and I am so excited to get it. Does anybody need the Spirit of the Lord tonight? In Exodus 19, we're going to just hop right in with verse 8. The people all responded together. Do you hear that? All of the people responding together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. I want to show you this so we don't have to spend time teaching. It's our first slide. This word together is yachad. It sounds very much like ihad, a word that we're familiar with and it's related. It means all together. It means all at once. 46 times it appears in biblical Hebrew. But look how Vines describes it. Vines says it's when a plurality, that's a big number of people, acts in total unity. Something about the Exodus 19 experience had every person there experiencing the same thing. Make no mistake, that's our goal tonight. We're not going to leave one person behind. We're even going to bring in the kids from the children's church and it's going to run off of our beards right down onto them. You must be in unity with God and with the men of God if you want to see the fire and glory of God. Let me say that again. You have to be in unity, not just with God, but with the other men of God that are sitting around you if we're going to see the fire and glory of God. That's the beginning of corporate Revival. Scan down with me to Exodus 19 and find verse 10. Say there when you were there. And the Lord said to Moshe, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of a couple of the people. In the sight of all of the people. Everything we're aiming at is for every person. This word consecrate appears on our next slide. In the King James, it's called sanctify. Whichever way you want to think of this, consecrate and sanctify are not words we use a lot. So I defined it for you. In its reflexive stem, which is how it's being used here, this verb means that you show yourself holy. You are showing That you are holy. Most of the time, the word indicates putting oneself or another into a state of holiness. You're not just showing yourself holy. You are making others holy. See, we're not only going to do this all together. We're going to make sure that each of us is holy and helping the others be holy. Somebody say amen in the house of God. You must be being made. Say being Made holy. And you have to make others holy if you want to see the fire and the glory of God manifest in corporate revival. I want that, saints. Do you want that? Look at Exodus 19 15. We're going to find our third element. This one scared me to death. 19 15. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day, abstain from sexual relations. When you get to a verse like this, you know what you do? A deeper word study. <laughs> I, I was looking at this. I'm like, Lord, sexual relations between married people are good. They're holy. They're righteous. Why? And then I got it. As I saw this word, we put it on a slide for you. It means, in, number one, in Hebrew, this verse literally says, do not approach a woman. It is implied that it is sexually, but the word sexually is not there at all. What he is saying is, you do not nagash a woman. You do not approach or draw near or bring something to her. The first time this word appears in all of the Scripture, though, even though it's 125 times, is is Abraham said he was drawing near. He was nagash to God. In other words, you're presented with a choice. You're presented between a choice with something that you want and is not sinful... Or something that you want more and is also not sinful. And God wants the people to want Him the most. Does that make sense? While sometimes Nagos does describe sexual activities between a man and woman, the most frequent usage in the word is right at the bottom. More frequently it is used to speak of the way the priests come into the presence of God. Moses told them, you have to prepare yourselves... You cannot be looking towards other desires right now. Right now, you have to come into the presence of the Lord. You have to make a, an approach with a singular focus. Somebody say singular. singular. God doesn't want any competitors tonight. He, he, uh, he, it's not wrong for you to watch Netflix. It's not wrong for you to go home and eat a great meal. It's not wrong for you to go home and enjoy the loving embrace of your spouse. But right now, He wants your singular focus. He doesn't want you thinking about what comes later. He doesn't want you thinking about the troubles of your day. Right now, He wants your singular focus. Are you going to give Him that? Our sole focus has to be in approaching the Lord, and not just for us, also for every other person. That means we help the person on our left and right. Ho, ho, hey. Don't talk about that. Right now is the Lord's time. Right now, we're going to focus on the Lord. Snap too, buddy. Come on. Let's do this together. I need you. You need me. Let's go forward in holiness. This often comes at the expense of denying non-sinful desires. It's not that it's wrong to do the other things. It's that it's inappropriate at this second. Right now, we should be doing what the Lord is calling us to do. Do you want to see the fire and the glory of God? Do you want corporate revival? We're going to find out exactly how to do it. When we do the things that I've just talked about, when you see all three elements present, I want you to see what happens. This is in Exodus 19. Land on verse 16. Are you there? On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. How many trembled? One of the songs we sang tonight I think was called Tremble. We want to experience the manifest presence of God and we want to do it together. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. Moses is not going alone to meet with God. He is leading all of the people to meet with God and God is going to meet with all of the people. Can you imagine Every person in this room having an experience with God tonight. Because it's going to happen. That's what we're aiming at. We're not going to settle for anything less than that. They stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. Friends, this is not the fire of judgment. This is the fire of God's glory. He's showing up like a groom at his wedding day with the brilliance of the sun behind him. And he is coming to meet with his bride and leaving not one person out of the meeting. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. This is not the fires of judgment. This is not God responding to a singular man like Moses. This is the glory of God in fire as a response to every person there being in unity, being in holiness, and being singularly focused on Him. Why do you think He shook the mountain? <laughs> he wanted Him to look in His direction. This is God helping the people. He's showing them what to do. If you get to Exodus 24, in verse 17, you're going to hear their report about this event. In Exodus twenty-four seventeen, it says, To the Israelites. To who? Israelite. That's every single person in the nation. That's every man, every woman, every child, every old person, every young person. That is every single person that saw this. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked... Like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. See, this fire was not judgment. This fire was glory. It was God's glory. God coming to speak with His people, coming to be seen by His people, coming so that His people would feel Him. This is what we're asking for this evening. When we go back into worship tonight, our aim is that every man, woman, and child in this building sees and feels and experiences the manifest glory of God. Is that something you could get excited about. If we want the fire of God to fall and manifest his glory, there are three things that have to be present. The same way when you make a campfire, there has to be fuel, there has to be air, and there has to be a spark. If you don't have those three things, you don't have a fire. In some environments, it's pretty difficult to get that mixture right. But when you get it right, you expect fire. It happens every time you start your diesel truck. It happens every time you get in anything other than a Tesla or a smart car. These three things are dependable. And if they're dependable in earthly ways, you can depend on us getting the ingredients right in heaven, lighting a fire here on earth for us. I want to encourage you as we look at this, these three things have got to be with us when we say God, we mean a plural unity. We want you to be in unity, not just with God, but with the person on your left and right. So if there is someone in this room that you're having difficulty with, you don't like the way they looked at you, you you have some issue or think they have an issue with you, it happens. We're, we're family. It's going to happen. If you've been in a family any length of time, sometimes you got these petty rivalries that show up every Thanksgiving. You know, on an appropriate day. Thanksgiving. Today, we want to wash them away. We want to get rid of them. The second thing that there has to be, you have to be in the process of being made holy. That has to be where you are at. So if you are not there, if there's something hidden in you, get rid of it. Get rid of it today. The other part of that is you have to be interested in helping your brother get rid of things and get in the right things. We have to be holy and being made holy. Somebody say holy. holy. The third ingredient for the fire is we have to have a singular focus. It has to be in approaching the Lord. And it it, it almost always comes at the expense of something that is not sinful if you do it. That's, if He required you to just give up something sinful, that, that's not enough. He requires you to give up something that's yours. He requires you to give up something that otherwise would be beautiful, that you might take something that is more beautiful. Are you willing to practice self-denial in the house of God tonight? It's required. But if we'll do it, if you'll forget about the clock, if you'll forget about your trouble at work tomorrow, if you'll forget about whatever's on your DVR, then the God of the universe will meet with every person in this room. Exodus 19 was the first time that the glory of God appeared in a fire descending from heaven to the whole nation at once. This is not Him leading them through judgment. He wasn't protecting them from the Egyptian army. But He was doing something. He was allowing them to experience His glory in fire simply because... He loves them. And He wanted them to know He loves them. He is an extravagant lover of His people. And He's willing to manifest that in us tonight. The whole nation had this revival together. There was nobody at home that missed it. There was nobody there that it passed over. Every single person that was there experienced it. I don't want one person to be passed over tonight. And you don't have to be. They heard God speak. And they heard Him speak together. Nobody had to go, hey, what did he say? Every one of them heard him. They experienced the glory of God together. Somebody say glory. Glory. Together. Together. We love it when one of our brothers has a vision. We love it when somebody's fired up, when somebody has an experience. You know what's better than that? When every one of us has the same experience in the same moment. Now we're going to move forward in the Torah. We're going to move one book to the right. We're going to go straight to Leviticus. Get to the ninth chapter. And we're going to see the second time this happens in their history. Amen. Corporate revival. Fire and glory. In Leviticus 9 and in verse 23. Moshe and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people. The people there is the whole nation. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all of the people. Do you hear it? Every single person saw the glory of God. If he did it then, he will do it now. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not him that changes. It's us. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. So often fire is related to judgment. Notice here it's not judgment. Look at their reaction when all the people saw it. How many saw it? They shouted for joy. And fell face down. That's not a people receiving a spanking. That's a people that see the manifest glory of God. They saw His presence. They felt Him. They experienced Him. And they did it together. See, this is what Pastor Matthew and Brother Triester were crying out for. When I heard it, something inside of me began crying out for it. I had just left a meeting that was good, but I heard something that was better. I had left something that I liked, but I'm being driven towards something that I love so much more. Do you want the glory of God and the fire of God to fill you? It'll fill this room. He will fill every one of your brothers. He will do it as a corporate family if we approach him as a family. You have to ask yourself, how did it happen in Leviticus? We heard how it happened in Exodus 19, but how did it happen in Leviticus? We're going to look for the exact same elements. There is unity here that is like fuel. There is holiness here that is like the right air mixture. And there is a singular focus that ignites a spark from heaven. Do you want to see those things? Leviticus 9 and verse 5. Look for it as we read this. They took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting. And the entire assembly. Do you see that it's every person? No one left out the entire assembly, came near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded you to do so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Now, be honest, be honest. If God said I will appear to everyone in this room, you will see me. You will feel me. My fire will be there in a glorious way. What wouldn't you do? See, you would do anything that he asked. I'm asking you tonight to focus on three very specific things. And I am telling you, he has told me that he will manifest himself here if we will do it. And brother Charlie and brother Chris spoke up. One prophesied in tongues and the other gave an interpretation. And it's exactly what he said. It was a confirmation. See, here this entire assembly was in unity with God and they were in unity with the men of God and so they got to experience the fire and glory that leads to corporate revival. Look at verse 7 and you'll find your second element. Moses said to Aaron, come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering. He has to get holy. And then he moves on to something. And make atonement for yourself and The people sacrifice the offering that is for the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. If we want the, the fire that is the glory of God, we have to be being made holy and we have to be in the business of making others holy. And then you'll get to experience the fire and the glory of God. Do you want to be holy? You have to want that for your brother on the left and your brother on the right every bit as much is for you. We go all together or we don't get to go. That's not. This is a corporate movement and manifestation of the Lord. But what about the third element? Where does it come from? We see unity, we see holiness. Look back at verse 5 and you'll catch it in the verse this time. The they took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting. And the entire assembly came near. That's Nagash. They approached and stood before the Lord. See, their sole focus was not going on at at home to enjoy a vineyard. It was not in going off to war. It was not to go home to make children. They had one singular focus. To come and stand near the Lord. If we will make it our sole focus to approach the Lord this evening, then even if it's at the expense some non-sinful desire that we have, we can experience the fire and the glory that leads to corporate revival. Twice, twice now, in Exodus 19, and then here in Leviticus 9, twice we've seen unity that acted like fuel, we've seen holiness that acted like an air mixture, and we've seen them approaching selflessly in a way that ignited a spark from heaven and the glory and fire of God was revealed to an entire nation at once man isn't this what we're singing about fill me fill me bring us to your throne that the nations may come to your throne it can happen here it must happen here in the name of Jesus it will happen here for everyone in this family and tonight There are many times that fire falls in judgment in the Word. But we're not talking about fire as judgment. We're talking about the glory of God in corporate revival. Do you know that Deuteronomy 4, just Deuteronomy 4, mentions God's presence as fire exactly seven times? I want to show you this reference right in the middle of the chapter. Look at this on a slide. Here you see the seven references. The one in the middle with three before it and three after it being the seventh reference is Deuteronomy 424. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When we read that, if you don't know how to experience that, if you don't know how, why he's described that way. Well, he's described as a jealous God, a consuming fire, because he doesn't want just you. He also wants your brothers. You have to be in unity with God and with men of God to experience Him properly. He also expects that you want to be like Him. As a jealous God, He wants you to want to be like Him. And He wants you to want others to be exactly like Him as well. We're going to have to be holy. We're going to have to want others to be made holy. This is what He means when He says He's jealous. In fact, you could put it more simply. And say, he is jealous in that he expects the foremost position in the thoughts, attitudes, and devotions of everyone in this room. He's not willing to leave any out. Oh, saints, tonight, our singular, our sole focus, it has to be in approaching the Lord, not just for us but for our brother's benefit. You have to care that Carlos experiences the presence of the Lord tonight. You have to care that Ohad and Cody experience what you experience tonight. You have to want for them what you want for yourself. And God will respond to that. It is like sparking a heavenly, holy mixture of unity that brings fire. Do you want that tonight? If you want... To be in unity with God and man, if you want to be holy and make others holy, if you have a singular focus on denying self and getting into the presence of God, then you can expect something. See if I put wood on the fire, if I put the billows to the fire and I put spark on the fire, what do I get? I get fire. If I put the seed in the soil and I add to it water, what do I expect to happen? A plant is coming out of the ground. You can have confidence tonight. If you will do these three things, then God will meet with us. Do you know why? He laid down this pattern in His Word. It is a holy pattern. It is a righteous pattern. He wants us to discover it. He wants us to follow it. And He will meet us in it. And He will encourage us along the way. Now, would you like to see this pattern repeat and expand in a third national experience? Every single Israelite is going to experience the glory of the Lord for a third time. There's no other nation like this in all of history. Let's go to Second Chronicles 5 and begin in verse 2. Say there when you were there. These three things on the right hand side of the slide are what you are looking for in this passage. You're looking first and foremost to see, are they in unity? See if what I'm saying is true. In 2 Chronicles 5 and verse 2. Then Solomon summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all The heads of the tribes, the chiefs of the Israelite families, to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant from Zion, the city of David, and all the men of Israel came together. How many came? See, that's corporate unity. They came to the king at the time of the festival in the seventh month. In this passage, you see a plurality acting in unity. They're in unity with God, and they're in unity with men of God. Look at 2 Chronicles 5, in verse 11. And look for them being holy and making others holy. In verse 11, the priest then withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who were there had consecrated. Do you recognize that word? They had consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. Think through this. They made themselves holy. And what is a priest's job? To make others holy. They're doing exactly what was done in Leviticus 9. They're doing exactly what was done in Exodus 19. They're coming together in unity... And they are holy and they want everyone else to be holy. Look at Second Chronicles 5 and begin in verse 12. Notice their sole focus in this passage. And man, is this going to be good? Are you ready for something good? Yeah. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. You're going to want to remember that number in just a little while. The trumpeters and the singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Does that sound like a singular uh, approach, a singular focus? It is. Look, it says, They raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Not one of them was sitting thinking about how bad their day was. Not one of them was wondering about what would happen tomorrow or after the service. Every single one of them was focused on the goodness and the love of our God. And something happens. Something glorious happens. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. This message is not called the glory of the Lord, though. It's the fire and the glory of the Lord. Solomon begins to pray as this is happening. And in Second Chronicles 7 and in verse 1, look what he says. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven. Yeah. Whoa! And it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. We have the fire and the glory. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw. How many? Oh. All of the Israelites. They saw it every single one, third time in their national history. The fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple. They knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped. See, they're not being judged this is not the fire of God coming to burn them. This is the fire of God coming so they can feel the warmth of His love. This is the fire of God descending in a visible way so that He has the full attention of every single Israelite. Can I tell you, He is a jealous God, a consuming fire, and He wants every one of your full attention, your singular focus. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to make others holy. And above all else, He wants us as a plural entity to act as a one unit. They again sing the song, He is good. His love endures forever. Now we have gone through great lengths to already establish that unity is like fuel. That holiness is like the right air mixture. And that spark was a corporate, singular, self-denying focus to approach God. But there was something else in that passage. Something that I told you to remember. Did you catch the part about the trumpets? There were trumpets present there. How many trumpets were there? This is reminiscent of the first time that God appeared to Israel in Exodus 1919, 19, I want to refresh your memory because I read over it quickly i 'm sneaky like that. In Exodus 1918, we pick up with Mount Sinai covered with fire and smoke, but in 19, it says, "And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder." Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. Something about God's voice was like a trumpet growing louder and louder. He was bringing them into a singular focus, a point where they could look, a place where they could experience him together. He was loud enough to not lose anyone's attention. Solomon, when he gets together in the temple, Solomon has a chorus of trumpeters and then the fire and the glory of God fell. How many of us would like for the trumpets of God, the voice of God, to get louder and louder in here? Something amazing happens. When you experience the fire and the glory of God, it's as if His voice is louder to you than it's ever been, clearer than it's ever been. How much do we need that in here tonight? How many trumpets were there? How many? You know, Solomon's nation saw and experienced the glory of God and revival fire for the third time. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God God it wasn't the last time. There's another. Let's go to Acts in the first chapter together. In Acts chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 13. You yell, there when we're there. There. Acts 1 and verse 13 when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Jeduthun, Asaph, He-Man. Nope. It's very similar though. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together. How many joined? constantly in prayer. Prayer is an approach to God. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brother. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. A group numbering about? About? Yes, the same number as the trumpets in Solomon's temple. Oh my goodness, let me put it on a slide for you so you cannot miss this. In Exodus 19, a trumpet grew louder and louder. Say louder! Louder! And louder! louder. When we get to 2 Chronicles 5, we have 120 trumpets sounding with the Word as a single voice. Oh my goodness, are they in unity? Are they approaching the Lord? Now in Acts chapter 1, we have 120, and it said that they are in constant prayer all together and in the upper room. So saints, what do you expect to happen next? What's going to happen next? The fire and the glory of God are going to fall. They are following the pattern that they saw in the Older Testament. They are doing what they have been taught. And just like when you put together fuel and air and a spark, you know you're going to get fire. When you put together unity, when you put together holiness and a singular approach to God, what you will always get is a response of fire and glory from heaven. Yes, amen! Amen! Somebody say it again. Amen. Amen. As we turn to Acts 2 to see the response, you're going to need to remember something. They were in the upper room. That's total unity. They were holy and they were seeking to make others holy. They had just seen Christ die and be resurrected. They had just received the Spirit for regeneration and were waiting for empowerment. Their focus the entire time they were in the upper room was constant prayer. That's approaching God even at the expense of self-denial. The whole purpose for everything we're going to read about in Acts 2. Acts 1.8 says, is receiving power to be a witness to others. See, this was not about just them. It was about them all doing something to benefit everyone else. Everything that we're going to do in here tonight... It is for you, but it's also for your neighbor. It's so that as a corporate entity, the fire and glory of God will be present with us in a way that causes us to witness to everybody around whether we say anything or not. In Acts 2 and verse 1. Are you there? Say louder. Louder. And louder. louder. God Himself made a scene. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were... All together in one place. Are you hearing it? Yeah. See, you can't make this stuff up. The pattern holds. They were all together in one place. That's unity, friends. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tons of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Not one of the 120 was left out. Not one of them that was in perfect unity was left out on each of them. Verse 4. All of them. Say all. all. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You can expect... That if we follow the pattern, every person will be filled with the Spirit in a new way tonight. Not one person left out. All we have to do is do it together. We have to be unified as they were. We have to be holy in making people holy. And above all else, unified, singular approach to the Lord. Skip down to verse 14. You'll find your second element. Then Peter stood up with the eleven He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Friends, this is Peter who is now holy, wanting them to be holy. He is holy and he's trying to make them holy. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out My Spirit on all people. See, He doesn't want to leave anyone out in this room. If we will adhere to what He has said, He will touch every person in here tonight. Do you want the fire and glory of God? Say, fire! And glory. and glory. Look at Acts 2 and verse 42. You'll see the third element. Those who accepted His message, Acts two forty-one, rather, those who accepted His message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. See, for the 120... And now the 3,120, they had a new singular focus in approaching their father. Fire and glory has caused them to glorify the Lord in corporate revival. They came together in unity. They got holy and they were interested in making others holy. And now all 3,120 have a new singular focus. Focus. You know that they practiced self denial because they sold everything they had. You know they practiced self denial because they met from house to house. You know they practiced self denial because they never stopped meeting. See, they had a new singular focus and God met them in that. Let's go back over these quickly. In our next slide, a plurality in unity. That means every single person in this room unified in one thing. Being holy and making others holy. It's not okay that you're holy and your brother's not. It's not okay that your brother's holy and you're not. We're going to have to do this together. And we have to pick up a singular focus, which is to approach the Lord. In the right-hand column, you see what I was quoting earlier. In Acts 2.44, they're all together. In Acts 2.46, they're breaking bread in their homes and eating together with glad and sincere hearts That's communion. They're getting holy and helping each other become holy. At the end of the chapter in verse 47, the Lord is adding daily to their number those who are being saved. Do you know why? They're following the pattern. And the fire and the glory of God is upon them. This is not as complicated as men have made it. Look, we're at that place. We're right there right now. There's only a couple more things we can do. We can look at the Scripture and see Jesus as our example. But you know what we're coming to. We're coming to the place where we're going to have to stop talking about it. And we're going to have to start doing it. Let's look at Revelation 1 and verse 12. I turned around. You always got to turn around to see Jesus. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Where was He? Among the lampstands. He was like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to His feet with a golden sash around His chest. His head and His hair were white like wool, uh, as white as snow, and His eyes were like blazing fire. What were His eyes like? His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face, oh my God, saints, his face, his face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. Somebody say, "That's that's fire, and that's glory. When this passage says son of man, it speaks to the human nature and example of Jesus. He is the definition of a plurality that is in unity. The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit are one. He's in unity all of the time. He was never out of unity. Is he holy, saints? Yeah. Is he holy? Yeah. Does he make you holy? Then He's holy and He's making others holy. He had a singular focus to enter the presence of God on behalf of others. In fact, He endured the cross scorning its shame so that He could get into the presence of God for Him and for you. All three elements are present in Jesus. Do you know what that did? That made his eyes like fire, like the glory of the Lord. It made his feet like fire, like the glory of the Lord. It made his face like fire and the glory of the Lord. And do you know where he is standing? He's standing among the lampstands. He's standing among the lampstands that are the churches. This church has a lampstand. That fiery one, that fire, that glory of God. Jesus! He's in the room here with us now, the one who unifies us, the one who is holy, the one who makes us holy, the one with a singular focus. He is present with us here in this room. We have to follow his example. We have to. Do you want to follow his example? The Apostle Paul tells us how to do it. And these are our last two verses and then we're going to do it. Do you have a sense of urgency? We got to know how we got to know how to do it. Go to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Say there when you were there. The first chapter of Corinthians, picking up in verse 2. To the church of God. Do you see how the letter is addressed to all of the people, not a singular pastor? It's addressed to them all because God wants every single person. To the church of God in Corinth. To those sanctified. You know what that word is? That's the first word in our pattern. In Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Together with all those everywhere. See, they are holy and they are unified. Together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you. Because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in Him you have been enriched in every way. In all your speaking and in all your knowledge. Because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. As you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Listen, before we go to this. Understand, hear, You see, all of the believers in Corinth, both unified and holy, all that is left, they need the third element, they need the spark from heaven, they need that singularly focused approach, even at the cost of self-denial, they're already in unity, they're already holy, all they need is a singular approach. You find that in the second letter to the Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians 3 for our very last passage for the evening. 2 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 18. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. How many are doing it? And we, who who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's not just Jesus Christ who walks among the lampstands. The fire and the Spirit of God are here. Jesus the glory, the Spirit, the fire. He is in the room, and do you know all that is waiting for you to approach Him? For you to approach Him and say, I want to experience you. I want to feel you. I want to see you. I want your glory to descend upon us all like fire. And then something happens. A transformation in you. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. Jesus Christ, the human example. He had fire in His eyes. He had fire on His feet. He had a sun-filled, fiery face. Because he had been in the presence of the Father. If you come and approach Him, if you come to Jesus Christ and you say, I want to experience you with all of my brothers. I am being made holy by you. I want my brothers to be holy. All of us together right now, tonight, Lord, no other time tonight. I want you then you will begin to reflect the same fire and glory that He has. Our job as a corporate body is to want the fire and the glory of the Lord to be revealed. Our job in revival is to approach Him right now in this building to ask Him, transform my face, Lord. Transform my feet, Lord. Transform everything about me right here, right now, Lord. I want Your likeness. I don't just want fire and glory. I want an ever-increasing glory. And I have to have it. Lord, I'll deny anything. I have to have it. We are called to radiate to reflect His glory, His fire, His revival power. We're going to stand in just a second. Don't do it yet. When you do stand... You're going to examine yourself in three areas. You're going to ask, am I unified with God and the men of God in this room? Or Lord, is there still some distance that has to close? Have I left a problem between me and someone else? The second question, Lord, am I holy in your eyes? Lord, have I cared enough about my brother's holiness? Or do I have some lack of concern for the things that are important to you? Thirdly, you're going to say, Lord, tune me in. Let my singular focus, let my sole goal be to enter your presence and do it with every one of my friends, not one left behind. You're going to cast down distraction even needs that aren't sinful. You're going to throw them to the side so that the Lord has preeminence in you. When you've gotten these things, these areas in line with the Spirit, with the Word of God, we can expect to see something. We can expect to hear something. We can expect to feel something. We can expect a new level of experience with His fire and His glory. He will begin a corporate revival right here tonight. He'll do it starting right now. He sent me here to say this and He confirmed it in a tongue and He confirmed it in an interpretation of a tongue as our service began. We're going to worship tonight until we get there in every area. Are you ready to do it? Is it your singular focus? Stand to your feet. Boldly make the adjustments for His glory to be reflected in you. Father, we are asking you right now, in the name of Jesus, as we boldly approach your throne, unify us. Mighty God, let us be holy in your presence. Let our brothers be holy in Your presence. Mighty God, this moment, we say we are going after You. We are going all the way. We are going to Your throne, mighty one.